The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, and this is a divisional free agency grade mini pod. Joining me to break down the AFC West, the one, the only, Sully, Tyler Sullivan. What's up, buddy? What's going on, Will? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great, man. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for joining. We will be doing all eight divisions with grades for every single team. So make sure and check those, check those out in the feed. I'm not in charge of distribution. That's Debo's gig. So you'll just see him pop up and populate throughout this week, but make sure and subscribe, rate and review. And of course, reminder while you're subscribing to a podcast that the madness continues into the final weekend and the eye on college basketball podcast remains your audio guide for the entire NCAA tournament. Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander. Norlander, I know is on site. He was out tweeting from Hinky. Uh, Twinkie Fieldhouse or Hinkle Fieldhouse or whatever it is. We'll offer extensive previews and breakdowns of the Final Four and National Championship game. If you want the best March Madness analysis, follow the Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you listen to this show. Uh, Sully, let's start in Vegas where the uh, Raiders had an extremely interesting offseason or stretch of free agency. Long known for their offensive line, they Lost like three-fifths of it with uh, Trent Brown, Rodney Hudson, and Gabe Jackson all actually being traded. That's how uh, interested uh, uh, the other teams in the NFL were, that they were gonna all going to get cut, ended up being traded. Nelson Aguilar signed by the Patriots, of course. Tyrell Williams, who they signed to an extensive, uh, big uh, extension a few years back, was cut. And LaMarcus Joyner also gone from that roster. They added John Brown. Uh, Kenyon Drake was their uh, big signing, one of their big signings, even though they have Josh Jacobs. Yannick Ngakwe, Quentin Jefferson, and Solomon Thomas. What is your grade for the Las Vegas Raiders? I give them a B minus and, and kind of going for what you were saying. Like if you're going to, if you're almost announcing that you're cutting a bunch of people and a bunch of teams in the league are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't let him go on the market. We will trade you for him. That means they're in demand. That means they're probably good players, and you probably don't want to trade them. So I, the whole offensive line thing to me is is very interesting. You know, the Trent Brown one least because it felt like a square peg round hole throughout the entire time he, he went there. And so that one I can almost put aside. The Rodney Hudson thing, it's not like it was a huge cap situation or anything like that. A, a stud center, and it felt like they were, like you were saying, an awesome offensive line. I mean, I remember us talking about, uh, at, right at the start of the new league year, we were talking about Russell Wilson and, yeah. and, and maybe one of the reasons why he wanted to go there was because this offensive line is so great on top of other things that Vegas has to offer. But like, and now you're, you're just kind of wondering, okay, what is this going to look like now? Again, Gruden and Mayock could be the smartest guys in the room and say, hey, listen, we have this new wave of offensive line that we can trot out in 2021. But right now you, you lost a lot of talent along that offensive line. But, and then, and then going into the, to the, um, to the actual additions, I like them all in a vacuum. Like if you're telling me the Raiders bring in Kenyon Drake and Yannick Ngakwe and, and I'm like, okay, I like that John Brown. I like all those moves. That makes some sense. But then when you start to tell me, 
oh yeah, Kenyon Drake, how's that going to work with Josh Jacobs? How, how is that, that fit going to go? And I, and I know that there was a report out there that said that, you know, John Gruden loves Kenyon Drake as a, as a gadget guy, put him all over the field, which is true, but that's going to happen like 5% of the time during games. It's, yeah, it's, not gonna, it's not going to happen that much. You're going to have this, this back and forth between him and Josh Jacobs. And I just don't really understand why why that was such a need to go get. And so that one to me was a little bit puzzling. Again, solid but not great. You know, you know, I would I you know, me going to school if I got a B minus to be like, cool, that's great. I feel good. But right now with the Raiders, I I don't know if you should be, you know, doing backflips. So I I don't want to bash the Raiders every time they come up yeah. on this podcast. It feels it feels uh like I don't I'm not trying uh, you know that's like Yannick Ngakwe is is solid. I mean I almost feel like his market was a little bit depreciated because he was moving around so much and, you know, he's still a talented guy. He's stud in my opinion. So if the Raiders are kind of buying a little bit, you know, on a depreciated market for him because he was traded like a million times this past year, then, you know, that's great. It can help your front seven, but it, some of their moves just felt like a hat in the hat or, or, or misplaced. And then it, it just, line. the whole, the whole thing doesn't, it, it just feels disjointed. Like it's like, I don't know the direction. Uh, we talked about on our AFC East podcast about how you can see what the Jets are doing. And I mean, not that we don't know that's going to work. You never know what's going to work and what's going to fail. But I mean, I think one of the key things about 2020 was that in a shortened pan, a pandemic shortened off season, uh, with limited practice time and all that, you needed continuity on the offensive line. And this is a big year for the Raiders in the sense that there is at least, there are at least people who are starting to say, Hey, like, yeah, I know he signed a 10 year contract, but like at what point is John Gruden's seat starting to get warm? And you know, if that buzz gets hyped up, does like, is Mike Mayock's seat get warm? And you know, you know, does Gruden, you know, uh, does he kick Mayock under the bus and then bring in a new GM? Like, that's not crazy. He already fired his defensive coordinator, right? Uh, so I just wonder, I just look at this and I, you know, they, they kept Colton Miller and Richie Incognito and they added, um, you know, so they brought back Incognito. That's good. Uh, yeah. they brought in Nick Martin, who's a, you know, not, not a bad addition, but that right side, you got to have questions about on the offensive line. Darren Waller's still there and they have Henry Ruggs, who they really need to take a leap, especially the way that, you know, the other wide receivers in this draft class played. John Brown is maybe a better version of Nelson Aguilar if he stays healthy, but Aguilar was awesome for him. And to let him leave, it's hard to see how the defense suddenly got better. I just, I don't understand what the approach here is to fixing the problems that the Raiders had. And they also managed to make their one big strength, a bigger problem. I, I would be concerned if I was a Las Vegas Raiders fan. And I'm also a little confused about what they're doing with Marcus Mariota too. You know, the, the, the big, you know, questions this offseason were, are they going to be able to trade them? Or, you know, how is that going to work? All these QB needy teams, you're not going to spend, I think it was like a $10 million cap hit at one point, whatever it was going to be for, for, for Marcus Mariota. And clearly they weren't going to pay that. You could, there was no dead money. You could get rid of all of it. And you wondered, okay, in a cap strapped off season, would you almost look at, if you can't find a trade partner because the contract's so big and, you know, once he played, what was it, week 16 or whatever it was. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, he, it's he just triggered got... a bunch of incentives. So it really made his contract almost untradeable. Were you almost better off just, you know, getting, you know, cutting bait, clearing a ton of cap space, and maybe you're able to keep, a, a you know, a, a Rodney Hudson or whoever, you know. And again, I don't even know if that was cap reasons or not, but you have 10 more million dollars or whatever it is to kind of continue on to your off season. And all of a sudden they kind of rework it. And it's a, it's a deal that's a little bit more tradable, but then you give them a no trade clause for this year. And it's, you just, 
it's a little bit puzzling. Like, yeah, it's great for the player, but I, I don't know how great that is for the organization. I almost feel like you would have been better off just cutting him, saving the $10 million, and instead of having a solid backup, you can find somebody like that. You could have signed Mitch Trubisky for it, that. It feels to me like John Gruden has a heavy hand in all the personnel matters, as much as Mike Mayock may publicly say that it's him. And I think that's that has to be a concern because you need the checks and balances to wit a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, which Andy Reid, we know, has a heavy hand in the personnel matters. He is, you know, Andy Reid has final say in, in terms of what the Chiefs do. Andy Reid runs everything there. But Brett Veach has a huge impact on on their on their approach to everything. And, you know, look, that's how they became this, you know, like perennial Super Bowl contender. Uh, one of the things that was a concern for them this offseason was, uh, you know, the, the fact that the offensive line got absolutely blistered by the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. So naturally they cut their tackles. Uh, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, uh, both dealing with injuries are gone. Damian Williams, uh, was released as well. A tough situation because he opted out because his mother was sick. Uh, so he opted out of the season and then they draft a first round running back and it, because he opted out, his contract told it almost made him, they had to cut him. Uh, Anthony Sherman, gone the the popular fullback there but they did go out and make a splash paying big money for joe tooney former nc state legend and uh multiple time super bowl winner with the patriots and friend of the podcast and former cbs co-worker kyle long two nice additions on the offensive line they also retained demarcus robinson and mike rimmers and andrew wiley what grade do you give the chiefs here i give him an a minus and i I think the the overwhelming theme that you're going to see with the afc west throughout this pod is the offensive line is a big topic for all these teams good or bad that's what it's going to be, and that's the case with the Kansas City Chiefs. I love the signing of Joe Tooney. I mean, I've seen him up close here in New England. He's awesome. He, he's just and, – and, I mean, Will, you know this just as well as a guy like me. You started at NC State. The guy can play center, tackle, guard. I mean, you can move him around. He's versatile. He's a blue-collar, like, lunch pail type of dude, an awesome human being. And he's – I mean, like, that's – it's a, it's a slam-dunk signing, you know, yeah. from, from all, all the way around. And, you know – Worth, you know, best case, you get a versatile guy that's an all pro left guard. You know, he's not an all pro center or, or tackle or anything like that, but he can hold his own in those scenarios. You get a guy that's versatile, can move around, you know, pretty much the entire offensive line in a pinch. I just think that's a great, great signing for them. Kyle Long, another one. Again, you lose your tackles, but you are getting guys back from opt outs last year. I keep forgetting the guy's name, uh, who was the nurse. It was an unbelievable story. Uh, uh, Devontae Tardif. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. He's coming back. Should be a key contributor to that offensive line. Like you, you know, you're. Do you think they're going to? Do you think? Do you think they're going to play Tooney at um, at at tackle? Do you think they're going to play Tooney at? I think they play him at guard. I don't think they're going to play him at tackle. He's not. You know, you can play him at tackle in a pinch. Like we've seen this a couple of times in New England, where like Isaiah Wing gets hurt, is out for a few series. You you kick Tooney outside a little bit. Like you can do that because he played tackle at state. Like he played. He moved. Yeah, he can play. Like you said, he can play wherever. You can do it, but I think in terms of like a 16 game season, what is your week one preference? He's going to be your left guard. Yeah, I that, agree. I agree with that. That's where he's best. Yeah. And, and, and so that's probably what you're going to go. But again, Kyle Long, you, you add along to that offensive line. It's not going to look like what it looked like in Super Bowl 55. It's just not. It's going to be better if everybody's healthy. Even when you do lose your two tackles, you know, it, it, to me, I just thought that they had a great, great offseason in terms of protecting Patrick Mahomes. That is the, that is your, you know, half, a quarter, whatever it is, half a billion, quarter billion dollar investment that you put into this guy and he got berated in the Super Bowl. And if that's the case for 16 games, he's not making it through 16 games. So to me, 
That is was priority number one, and they did that. And I would have gave, given them an A plus if all of a sudden they went and got Trent Williams, which they tried to do. Right. But you know, it was overall a very good offseason for them in terms of the offensive line. Um, the other move that I uh, sneaky like is uh, Demarcus Robinson coming back. You know, Sammy Watkins signed with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I almost feel like Demarcus Robinson needed Sammy Watkins to leave for him to actually produce a little bit more him and Miko Hardman. I think you're going to have a little bit more uptick in targets with Sammy Watkins gone. I, I'm kind of excited to see what both those guys will do in the offense next year. Agreed. Uh, all right, coming up, let's take a break. Coming up after that, we will discuss if the chargers did enough to help Justin Herbert maintain his incredible rookie season. Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So the Chargers, my big thing coming into this offseason, Sully, was, or as, as the offseason sort of unfolded, um, you know, when they started moving on, you know, they moved on from Trey Turner, I was like, man, that offensive line is a problem. Like, you know, you have a pou- pouncy retires, you're cutting Trey Turner. Um, you know, you, the only guy that they'd really retained on the offensive line was Brian Belaga. And I was, I was worried. I feel justifiably concerned for, for Trey, for Justin Herbert because this is a guy that, you know, is, was a star as a young, as a rookie quarterback and you want to improve around him. I, they went out and signed Corey Lindsley uh, from the Packers in free agency. I love that signing. Uh, they lose Hunter Henry, but they replace him with Jared Cook at a much, of course, cheaper price. Um, and then Sam Tevy, also a loss there, as well as Denzel Perryman amongst the notable names. What grade do you have for the Chargers? I give an A minus, similar to the Chiefs. You know, just like you were saying, it's important for them to protect their young asset as, as best as humanly possible. They do that in Corey Lindsley. It, it, to me, it was a great offseason putting an offensive line around. Justin Herbert, and, and I mean, we've seen this over the past few years now, whether it's, you know, uh, Carson Wentz in Philly where he just, his confidence just gets shot because of a poor offensive line in front of him is getting berated, or Andrew Luck retiring because he's getting beat up. You risk losing the quarterback one way or another, whether it's injuries, lack of confidence, just, you know, upping and, and leaving the league if you can't protect him. Not, we're not even talking about success. We're talking about you know, losing the player. And, and, and when you find a guy as special as Justin Herbert seems to be, you do need to throw a ton of money for an all pro center for, for help along the offensive line. So to me, you know, I, I love what they did in terms of protecting him. And, you know, does it, you know, make a huge impact in 2021? Maybe. I think he's still going to, I don't know if the Chargers are going to come out of the gate and, and be a, you know, contender in the AFC West, but they're one step closer when you can keep Justin Herbert upright. Yeah, I, I look the Lindsay thing is is the Lindsay thing. Excuse me, is so is so key. Yeah, like you like you need a center that your young quarterback can grow with. And I know Lindsay's not exactly you know a, a, a rookie or anything like that, but you know you need that. I just think that's a key key piece. And I love the fact that they went out there and did that. Just looking at their defense, you know, there wasn't a whole ton of additions that they could make. Um, but I thought I, I think if they are healthy. 
And if Brandon Staley can do what he did in with the Rams, that defense can be outstanding. So that remains to be seen. But I'm I'm very bullish on the Chargers, and I agree. I like I like their offseason. I thought they did a really good job of of addressing some of the concerns that I had in the immediate future with uh, those those things around Justin Herbert. And maybe I'm a sucker, but I'm kind of back in on the Chargers again. The Broncos uh, added Kyle Fuller this offseason along with Ronald Darby while retaining Justin Simmons, who they worked out a long-term extension with, the safety who's fantastic in Vic Fangio's scheme. And uh, they also managed to hold on to Vaughn Miller, who looked like almost a dead certain cap casualty coming to this offseason. Uh, Philip Lindsay, a notable loss for Denver. What's your grade for the Broncos, Sully? Give a B plus. I mean, they really didn't lose too, too much, like you were saying. I love the, the bolstering of the secondary. It's almost a little bit of a, a zig when the entire division zags. You know, they don't have the best quarterback in the division. They're going up against, you know, some of these, you know, high octane offenses, certainly the Chiefs, but Justin Herbert's coming up. You have a, a, a lot of weapons there in Las Vegas. And what do the Denver Broncos do? They, they really double down on their secondary. And I think Kyle Fuller is a very intriguing addition when he was at his first team all pro best. That was with Vic Fangio in Chicago. And now they're back. There was a reason why it took him like two seconds after he was released to sign (laughs) with the Denver Broncos. I mean, it was unbelievable how quick that was. So, you know, to me, that's a great, you know, intriguing addition to see how all of that plays out. And if, if you're talking about a legit secondary, that's going again, help the young quarterback and Drew Locke if he's ultimately the guy in 2021. And I think we all assume he is by now. They didn't really make any huge moves at this point. So that to me is, is, is very interesting. And, you know, to me, I, I, that's probably the biggest, biggest piece of it. Again, you're not talking about, you know, losing a key player or anything like that. To me, Vaughn Miller, I, I understand why they brought him back and it's a lot of money. I mean, you know, th- I believe it's like, you know, I got to see if I can find it right now. I think it's the base salary of like 17.5 million for next year. It was a lot of guarantees because they had to pick up his option. So I, I it's a lot of money to shell out, but I almost understand why they did it to fran- face of the franchise leader in that system. Your team's still relatively young. I, I get it. It's a tough pill to swallow, but it's not like they were, missing out on these guys. I don't know if they were going to be in the market for, for Kenny Galladay and, and, and all of these, you know, uh, Hunter Henry or John U. Smith. I don't know if they were going to be in the market for those guys anyway. So I don't really mind them throwing that money at Von Miller. Yeah. I mean, I really think for the Broncos, it's like they're just in this weird spot where, I mean, is, is Drew Locke the guy? You're still assessing the quarterback position. That's, and it's like, that's where they're at. Yeah, but they're like, it's, it's weird. Cause they kind of need to win now for Vic Fangio's job, but they, and they have a new GM and it's a weird transition in the front office with Elway moving up, George Patton coming in. But I, I like their off season. Like if, if you told me, if you, if you took Justin Herbert off the Chargers and put him on the Broncos, yeah, I'd be like, this team could challenge the Chiefs, you know? Because they already have the young pieces on offense. Jerry Judy, uh, Tim Patrick, and Noah Fan, Corlin I mean, Sutton. They, I mean, they're loaded. They have the guy, like they didn't have to go out and do anything crazy like that. The, the right. question's always going to be when we talk about the offense. Is Drew Lock the guy? And it's, it's, it's almost uh, a little infuriating because he shows you just enough where you're like, eh, maybe, but then it just doesn't go fully all the way for you to be like, okay, he's the legit guy again. It's going to be an intriguing season for him going into next seat, next year to see if he can take that leap. And if he does, well then, okay, we're looking at Denver a little bit differently right now, but right as we're, as we're sitting here right now, assessing their free agency, I really do love what they did in the secondary. Yeah, I, it's it's hard to have many complaints with with what they did. And again, like you know, they can't 
not everybody can go out and just fix the quarterback position. So we'll right. see, we'll see how that all works out for them. Uh, I, AFC West, you know, the Chiefs are runaway favorites as they should be, but I, I just find the, uh, the other three teams just from a what's going to happen this year and what's going to happen over the next couple of years based yeah. on it's very, it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, like all three teams are, you know, Love them or hate you can love them and hate them for different reasons. Sully, as always, a pleasure, buddy. Great job. Uh, make sure to go check out the article on CBSSports.com for the full breakdowns. We'll have much, many more division grade podcasts coming your way.